Okay, hello, apologies uh, for the delay. Um, just get started now. Good morning, uh, good afternoon in Ukraine and other places further east. Um, and uh, welcome to the week ahead in Russia, our Monday podcast about significant developments and upcoming events in Moscow and beyond. I'm Steve Gutterman, and my guest is Chris Miller, a BuzzFeed News correspondent who is not in Russia, but in Ukraine, the neighboring country that's been under attack since Russian President Vladimir Putin launched a massive and unprovoked new invasion on February 24th. Uh, Chris uh, is a former colleague who's done great reporting for RFERL from Ukraine in the past, including from the war and the war zone in the Donbass, uh, and is doing great reporting from Ukraine now at this unbelievably terrible time. Thanks very much for joining me, Chris. Thanks for having me, Steve. Sorry for the delay. It's, it's uh, the, the 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 delay is is, is my fault. Um, uh, but I think I've got everything worked out. And uh, greetings from from Western Lviv. All right. Uh, no problem, Chris. Thanks very much. Uh, great to have you on the podcast again. Now, uh, I usually ask two questions. And for the first one, I just want to ask you essentially what you've been seeing. Um, you've been in Ukraine since around the new year, uh, I believe, for several weeks, uh, from several weeks before the new invasion and for the entire two and a half weeks or so since the invasion began. And my understanding um, is that uh, I guess you're in Western Ukraine now, uh, but you've mostly been in and around Kiev uh, in, in recent uh, weeks. Uh, obviously, a very dangerous place now. Um, there have been absolutely harrowing reports and footage and, Im and images from places like Irpin, a quiet suburb, uh, turned into a place of destruction and, and death. Um, uh, and many other places. Among the dead in that suburb, uh, an American journalist was killed yesterday, and a woman trying to evacuate uh, was killed a week before that, along with her son and daughter and a church volunteer who was with them. Um, and those are really just a few of many civilians who have been killed. Uh, officials in Mariupol, the southern city, say civilian death toll there is over, over 2,000. Uh, so I, I, I guess I just want to ask you, Chris, what have you been seeing? What does this war look like from close up? Yeah, you know, I, like you said at the top, I've 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 covered the Ukraine since day one, um, and by that I mean um, since since 2014. And and so if if I can like zoom out for just a moment, like I mean, what what we are seeing right now in this new Russian invasion is war on a much larger uh, and more devastating scale. Um, you know, the, the conflict in 2014 um, was hot. It was extremely, uh, an extremely volatile situation. There, you know, um, the front line moved on a daily, sometimes even hourly basis. But, you know, after about eight, nine months of, of you know, nearly all out war, and I say nearly because there just wasn't, there, there wasn't, there weren't airstrikes like we're seeing now. The the front lines solidified, and it's been mostly trench warfare for the past several years, and mostly confined to eastern Ukraine. And so, in other parts of the country, 
the war has felt at times uh, really far away. And now that's just not the case. The, the war has come to quite literally the doorsteps of every Ukrainian household. Um, and in some cases, uh, like Mariupol or Kharkiv, um, which is, of course, Ukraine's large, uh, second largest city up in the northeast, um, you know, there has been just devastation on a, on a massive, massive scale. Um, you know, to put it in perspective, like Kharkiv, um, which I think is a, a good place to start, is uh, a metropolis of like 1.5 million people. It had this vibrant youth culture and art scene and music scene, and everybody loved going to Kharkiv. You know, it was actually this really beautiful example of some of the like fine Soviet era architecture. Uh, that had been built up after World War II, and then there were much older historical uh, parts of the city um, that were that were stunning. And and now much of the city, including the very heart of it, is in ruins. Um, you know, the, the the photos and videos coming out of Kharkiv look a lot like the devastation that we see in Iraq or Afghanistan or Syria. Um, you know, uh, where where Russia has also played uh, played a role. And, you know, so many of the people that I've spoken with in, in, in Kharkiv and uh, nearby cities have have been forced to flee. Um, some of them quite literally, you know, run for their lives from basements uh, to, to other basements to eventually maybe a train or a car to try to escape and move west. Um, you know, they in, in, in the past several years, eastern Ukraine being being bombarded by Russian rockets and and seeing heavy fighting, um, people have left from there to seek sanctuary in Kharkiv or or in Kiev. But you know now these 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 cities are no longer this sort of place of of safety and sanctuary. Um, people are having to try to go even further west. And one of the like really heartbreaking things is is seeing Kiev, which has become a second home to me, uh, also turning into you know this this front line and a city under siege and essentially a ghost town um you know the last the last week or so i was in in kiev and and it just felt so so strange and i'm not sure i've really yet fully been able to comprehend um everything that's happening around me um you know i like like many people it's it's been um pretty much non-stop here and and really difficult to to decompress and and to uh, um you know really wrap wrap my head around what is what is happening but the things that i've seen are horrible and you mentioned urpin um and so i'll zoom in on on urpin and some of the smaller towns around ukraine where you know russian forces have just decimated these places and moved in with such ferocity like that i mean i it's it's really difficult to explain i mean i i you know it in in a matter of minutes, I lost track of the number of explosions in Irpin when I visited last week, and the people that were fleeing were so terrified; they were physically trembling, and it was just heartbreaking to see, especially older people who had trouble walking or walked with 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 a cane and and younger children just distraught um and and hearing their cries um as they you know try to to make their way over a destroyed bridge under shell fire um into 
you know, crammed buses and, and cars, literally any, any vehicle they could get in to, to try to get away. Um, yeah. And, and like I said, this is, this is now pretty much the scene uh, almost everywhere across the country. I, I just arrived in Lviv yesterday, but, you know, driving from town to town uh, westward from Kiev, I saw, you know, I mean, checkpoints on every road, every intersection, uh, bombed out buildings in cities that I didn't even know had been hit. Um, you know, it's it's been really heartbreaking. And then you get to Lviv, where I am now, and there's some semblance of normalcy in the city center here. But, you know, the signs of war are, are, are omnipresent and, and everywhere you look. And, you know, right now in um, the city center, all of the the monuments and church windows are are boarded up and wrapped in cellophane and 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 um, sheet uh, sheet metal and you know just fearful of um, you know the, the town is fearful that 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 bombs will start falling even on Lviv, which is thought to be this safe place. And yesterday we saw you know um, a huge missile bombardment at an air base just uh outside of the city here about 10 miles from the polish border where uh nato forces have trained ukrainian soldiers over the years and where about 1000 uh western foreigners have uh, have been staging um and and training uh to join this fight as part of this new international legion um you know i so if that hopefully that gives you a, a some sense of of, of things i mean literally like war has touched everything here um you know people live in basements they they go to sleep at night not knowing if they're going to wake up they are awoken in the middle of the night uh or startled in the middle of the day when they think it's safe because it's daylight by siren or by explosions um, you know, everybody is on edge. I'm not sure anybody in this country of, of uh, what used to be, you know, n nearly 40 million people, but I think now is, um, what, at least, at least 2 million fewer, um, because that's, um, there's been a, a massive um, exodus of, of, of people, of refugees, um, have been living with, you know, on a daily basis. It's, it's absolutely terrifying, and I still can't, can't believe it's happened. Yeah, I mean, uh, Chris, you're, you're, your testimony really speaks for itself and, and I, to me gives a, a great uh, and obviously extremely troubling uh, picture of, this, of the situation. Um, you know, you mentioned just now, you know, hard to believe it's happening uh, and, and, and the idea of, of you on the ground there trying to, you know, get your head around it and, and that that's not really possible to do. And I think, uh, you know, for, for people in Ukraine and outside Ukraine, I think that's just a huge question. Uh, not really a question, but um, it, and I've seen people in in videos, how, you know, videos of of people, a woman in Mariupol, I think, who one of her children was killed, and she's distraught, doesn't know what to do next, uh, and she's asking why, why, and so it just brings home the the, the fact that this war is entirely unprovoked I, I just can't yeah. you know and that's what makes it so uh so hard to or that's one of the things that makes it so hard to to imagine uh what what's going on um 
Chris, I just wanted to, uh, I guess I move on to a second question, um, uh, which is more about how the war seems to be progressing. Um, I think it's, it seems pretty clear now that uh, Putin and those closest to him were expecting a very quick victory, probably expecting Russian forces to take Kyiv and remove the Ukrainian government. Uh, or at least force its surrender, uh, surrender and um, subjugation, essentially, um, within a few days. Now that obviously didn't happen. There's a lot of talk about, uh, you know, you know why. Um, you know, many people saying, and experts, military experts saying, is, you know, that that part of it has been a colossal failure, uh, you know, by the Russian military or failure of of understanding by Putin. Um, so, uh, and as there's, you know, more talk and more questions about Putin, whether Putin can achieve his goals. Um, at, at the same time, as, as many predicted, when it, when it looked like this, uh, what, you know, apparent initial push to essentially seize the country, uh, seize Kiev in a few days, uh, was failing. You know, as many predicted, Russia seems to be uh, stepping up its attacks, increasingly targeting civilian areas. Uh, and you mentioned yesterday um, devastating attack on the military facility uh, in western Ukraine, Yavorov near the Polish border, where which is the the hub for for training programs and drills with NATO. Thirty five people, uh, I believe that's the death toll there. Um, and and you know you were you were in and around Kiev, where um, it seems that uh, advances, you know, obviously haven't. Uh, uh, gained as much ground, uh, Russian advances as as uh, it seems like Putin would hope. So my question is again, as a as a journalist who's been covering the war from close up, do you have an impression uh, now of, of where it is headed? Yeah, you know, you're, you're absolutely right that you know if if Putin thought he was going to win a quick victory here and encircle Kiev and and see the surrender of the Ukrainian government in Kiev and and President Volodymyr Zelensky, he's he obviously you know he he was wrong. Like he absolutely miscalculated. The Ukrainian armed forces have done a hell of a job beating back the Russians and stopping advances on key cities like. Like like Kiev, and and I think really the only the only major city, um, if you could call them that, uh, that that Russia controls is is Kherson, um, although they have just pulverized Kharkiv, um, you know. And so I, I do think there was there was a serious miscalculation on on Putin's part, um, and you know this is dragged on a lot longer than I think. Uh, Russia was prepared for, and there are a lot of um, signs pointing to that. You know, one being that I think all of the uh, 150 to 190,000 Russian forces that they had placed around Ukraine have been committed to the uh, to the war already, and now there is, uh, or there there are rather uh, reports that uh, uh, Russia has asked uh, China for some help. Um, I think in providing equipment, if I'm not uh, mistaken. And then, you know, reports of, of Russia also appealing to um, uh, allies in the Middle East to commit foreigners um, to the fight here. And, you know, that, that suggests to me that the battlefield losses are much more significant than Russia uh, had imagined they would be, and that their um, uh, military equipment losses are also much, much, much higher than they thought they, um, than, than they, thought they would be. 
Um, and certainly what we've seen anecdotally um, in videos and photos and um, of some of the uh, uh, gov Ukrainian government reports suggest that, you know, the losses uh, in terms of troops are, are huge, um, at least several thousand, if not by, by some counts, you know, uh, the Ukrainian government counts, I mean, maybe more than 10,000. And I think it was... Um, uh, Radio for Europe's local service in Belarus, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that reported that Belarusian uh, morgues were filling up with Russian bodies. And so, you know, these are all indicators that, you know, there was a, a big miscalculation and they've really taken a hit. Um, you know, that I think has forced Putin to, to um, take a different tack. And, and that being now this, this, I mean, nothing short of a campaign of terror. Um, you know, if, if in the beginning of the war, it was all about hitting strategic targets, trying to uh, decimate Ukraine's uh, air defenses and its military, hitting airfields and, and um, army bases, um, you know, to bend the, the, the government to its will and, and hope for a quick surrender and encirclement of the city. You know, that didn't happen. And I think now what's going on is, uh, you know, bombardments of civilian areas really trying to sow chaos and, and terror uh, in, in, in order to, um, I, I guess, uh, see the Ukrainian people just give up. And that hasn't happened. The resilience of the Ukrainian people and the resistance uh, of, of them, um, I mean, is, is just incredibly impressive. And there has been nobody that I've that I've met who, um, you know, has has said, we just want our government to capitulate and give in, like just surrender already. Stop this. Like even people fleeing their homes have not said that. And so many people, uh, millions of Ukrainians uh, have have taken up arms or uh, are are working in some capacity to support the defense of the country and the fight against Russia. Um, and, and that has been one of the most, um, impressive things that I've, that I've seen going from here, you know, Putin hasn't got what he wants. And there were negotiations, a fourth round of negotiations between Ukraine and Russia today. And, you know, at least from what I gather, uh, from some of the advisors of, of president Zelensky, it's, it's not going particularly well. Um, they're still, uh, a long ways, um, apart on, on what, um, they want, uh, them being Kiev and, and Moscow. And, you know, every indicator um, suggests that this war is going to grind on. And I know that the military uh, officers that I've spoken with here and and some in um, uh, in the central government, including uh, President Zelensky's office, think that there is a, uh, a possibility that things could still get a lot worse before they get better. And, and again, that's you know everybody thinks that Putin Putin um, has gone so far that it, you know, he, he, he can't, he can't just stop now. Um, you know, they, the Russians really do seem to want a surrender from Kiev. Um, you know, and, and I, I think a lot of the Ukrainians are concerned, uh, that, that, you know, Putin hasn't unleashed, you know, all of his fury military might that he could yet. And, and, um, and, and may be considering, um, doing that, uh, which, you know, seeing what I've seen, I can't imagine how, how awful that, that would be. Um, it would just be, uh, death and destruction on, on just an incredible, incredible scale. Yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, 
yeah, obviously very bleak. One thing I wanted to say real quick is that, you know, where the, the, the Russians have miscalculated and they have, you know, come up against a, a really tough um, uh, resistance on the, by, by the Ukrainians. But that said, they still are making advances. Kiev is not encircled, but the Russians have inched closer to the capital. There were okay. attacks much closer to the city uh, center today, just in the Obolon district. Um, you know, and, and they are still gaining ground in the east, in the north, and in the south. And so while things have not gone their way, they are slowly further into the heart of the country, which I think is concerning. And, and um, you know, the longer this goes on, um, it's going to be interesting to see, like, who has the endurance and the reserves uh, to really... Um, to really stick it out. And it, and it might just be that this ends up um, uh, a, a war of attrition, and then it's about, you know, who can wear down the other first. Um, you know, uh, so we'll, 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 we'll see what happens. I think there, you know, there might be some signs in, in the next week or so uh, in terms of what, what route Putin might take. Um, but there's definitely fear that things could get, could get even worse. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you, you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the fact that Russian, the Russian forces are advancing in several places. There's talk about, you know, the idea that they could kind of cut off, I guess, the Ukrainian military units that are sort of in the southeastern areas. Um, uh, and, you know, you mentioned that the, the negotiations, the talks, uh, you know, there would, I think, sort of over the weekend and in the past few days, there's some 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 positive kind of signaling coming out of there, but very hard to tell. But but but, but you mentioned uh, you know Ukrainian officials that, that you've spoken to, uh, and and you know you uh, saying that you know, they're they're still very far apart, and that's also clear from you know there's certain things uh, recognition of Crimea and uh, the, the Russia backed. Um, areas in the Donbass, you know, those are among the things that I don't think Ukraine is prepared to give up on. So, you know, any signals, of course, it's, you know, you can watch for, for positive signals from talks, um, but um, in the end, it's also a concern that, you know, has, is Russia using talk to uh, to regroup, you know, to, 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 to buy more time? And, and I think that's what happened, at least to some degree, you know, with the with the talks uh, with with the West, with NATO and the U.S. in January and February, I'm not saying that the U.S. had illusions about that, but I, but I think that you know there was it, it appeared there was hope for diplomacy, and then it turned out you know essentially that that there wasn't that Putin went ahead and it, and and it, and um, launched this huge attack on Ukraine. So uh, you know, as you say, but 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 I think there will be there will be signals, uh, you know. In the coming coming week or so, maybe of where things are headed. Uh, obviously, from your descriptions of of what's happening now and what and what may happen, uh, there's uh, not a great deal of, of cause for for optimism. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. All right, um, we are running out of time, and we'll wrap it up there. Chris, I, I really appreciate uh, all your time. Thanks very much for joining me, and stay safe. Yeah, thanks so much, Steve. All right, take care. Okay, I'll be back next Monday for another Week Ahead podcast, and please check out my Week in Russia newsletter on Friday. Thanks for listening.